Bill Beatenbow gets his guy. We'll talk about Eugene Brooks' commitment and a crystal ball for a four-star defensive lineman on today's show. Welcome to Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. Every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. And right off the top, Josh, he's Josh Helmer. Follow him on Twitter at Josh on Rep. I'm John Williams. We got a commitment, Eugene Brooks, a rival's four-star prospect out of California, interior offensive lineman, six foot three, 320, a mountain mover at guard for Bill Biedenbow and the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, important get for Oklahoma, somebody that we felt good about with uh, Eugene Brooks and felt like he was trending that way. But to see him join Isaiah Autry in terms of the offensive linemen in this class, John, I think that uh, all of a sudden here because of some misses and uh, commitments elsewhere away from Oklahoma, probably the one position group where folks were a little antsy and wanted to see somebody talented like Eugene Brooks become a part of this class. And so you've got that six foot three, 320 uh, rated as uh, one of the Let's let's round up here. Right? Top 20 interior offensive lineman uh, in the country per 24-7 sports. So a uh, a nice get for Bill Biedenbow in Oklahoma. He is, and he's a strong player. Someone that is going to have to work on his feet, work on his agility a little bit when he gets to campus. But the strength is not an issue. Size is not an issue. The way he's able to move people is not an issue. It's just working on some of the finer details of playing offensive line, especially interior offensive line at the next level. I think it's a big, big get. I mean, anytime that you can beat a rival in Texas and a in-state school in USC for one of the top 20 guards in the, in the country, I think that's an important win. You know, you can look at the recruiting rankings. You can look at the stars if you want to. But understand that this is somebody that Bill Biedenboe wanted. This is somebody that Texas wanted, somebody that USC wanted, and Oklahoma ended up with him. And again, I mean, if you're considering 20 guards and how many FBS football teams are there, 133, and you got two positions, so that's out of 260 you know, interior guards, like to get the top a top 21, I think that matters. I think that's a big, big deal. And you can never have too many offensive linemen, especially if, if they're guys that are, are developmental guys and need to work on their game a little bit. You want to get as many of these offensive line prospects as you can because it's really, really hard to find really good offensive line play. And you got to get them on campus first of all, and then you got to let them compete and let them work with Schmitty, get in the weight room, get, in the, get on the field, build their game, build it with Bill Biedenboe, and then go from there. Well, and I'll be the first to sit here and say, hey, I want to see Oklahoma get this blue chip offensive lineman and that uh, blue chip offensive tackle. But uh, the reality here for Oklahoma is that 
look, this is a heck of an offer sheet that Eugene Brooks uh, had. So you look at the offer sheet first and foremost, John, uh, some of which you've already discussed. Texas, Arizona, BYU, Cal. And here, let's get to the meat and potatoes of it. Florida State, Georgia, uh, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Oregon, Texas A&M, USC, who you mentioned, Washington State, uh, UNLV, Utah State. I mean, there's some big-time offers in here that Eugene Brooks pulled. And so for Oklahoma to win this recruitment is no small thing just because, again, it's not that blue-chip uh, prospect for, for Oklahoma in this particular individual recruitment. And I would make the argument, too, that uh, not in every single interior offensive line men's recruit but uh in a lot of interior offensive linemen's recruitments they they're not always the four-star five-star guys right i mean that's kind of the position group where a lot of times you can have an interior offensive lineman that's a three-star signee that winds up as an uh, nfl talent and i i love what they said uh, about eugene brooks on 24 7 sports i think you said this right off the top but uh quote and i quote Eugene Brooks is a mammoth offensive lineman from Las Vegas, in quotes. So, I mean, that's probably, you know, as of right now where we're at, six foot three, 320, had a great offer sheet. And uh, let's see where it goes for Oklahoma. And OU, you think about just the offensive line situation. John, they needed to add a name to Isaiah Autry. Let's see what happens next. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've talked about Isosa. Recently for Oklahoma in the plans, we'll see about Grant Bricks would be the other name that uh, a lot of hope, uh, a lot of folks are hoping. OU can win out there over a Kansas State and Nebraska. And if that happens, if all of that materialized for OU, uh, then this is going to be a pretty nice little offensive line haul when it's all said and done for the Sooners in this 24 cycle. Yeah, it just comes back to believing in what Bill Bingbo is able to do on the recruiting trail as a develop, developmental coach. I mean, we've seen him do it for the better part of – a decade now he hasn't been there a decade but for most of the last decade he's been putting together really good offensive lines so I, i'm a believer in eugene brooks and what i've seen he comes to campus or eventually when he signs and gets to campus he comes with already really good size you're not having to bulk him up to get him to play guard he can play it at 320 you're not having to you know build on a 290 frame and you know he's two years out i mean he's a guy that could potentially come in and factor into the rotation early because he's already got the size that he's working with so i think it's again you you listed the offer sheet anytime that you're getting power five offers like he got i think that that speaks volumes to the type of player that he is and nfl guys will tell you nfl draft analysts will tell you offensive line is one of the most difficult positions to evaluate especially for people who aren't offensive line coaches or former offensive linemen or offensive line evaluators. Like that's a very difficult position to, uh, to evaluate. And, and I think like the fact that rivals has him as a four star, I think that should say something there, you know, yeah, maybe he's not a, a four star with on three or two, four, seven, but the fact that he's an, he's a four star somewhere, you know, our guy, John Garcia, He's he's with rivals. We're we're fans of his and his work. I like what he what he how he evaluates offensive line. So there are people out there that you can trust for offensive line evaluations. And uh, so I'm excited for what he's going to bring to the Sooners once he eventually gets on campus and then starts to compete. But you you like if you've seen the uh, some of the one on one clips from uh, the L.A. Rivals camp where he was one of the top performers that week. 
you're going to like what he, what he brings to the table. The dude's got a bit of a mean streak. He's kind of nasty. He's going to trash talk a little bit, um, which is kind of fun. You don't want it to be in, in such a way that it draws penalties, but if it antagonizes the opposing defensive line and gets in their head a little bit, man, bring it on. So I think he's going to be a, a fan favorite. Um, not long after he uh, makes his debut with the Oklahoma Sooners down the road. Uh, we got more recruiting tidbits to touch on, Josh. Anything else on Brooks before we turn the page and, and look at some other positions? Well, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that both Rivals and ESPN list Brooks as a four-star because, you know, it's easy for me to, as we're doing the show sometimes, say, okay, here's what 24-7 Sports says or here's what On3 says. And, it, you know, that's what I'm looking at and thinking and talking about. Yeah, I mean, this is so if I want to sit here and say, okay, Eugene Brooks isn't a blue chip commit or eventual signee. Well, according to half of the evaluators out there, yes, uh, Eugene Brooks would be a blue chip signee. So, no, it's uh, obviously it's a a big time recruiting win. Oh, you needed more on the offensive line. And uh, let's let's hope this is the start of a nice little tear here for Oklahoma in terms of the offensive line recruiting. Yeah, I think it's important, especially as you go into the SEC, that you get big, strong guys that you can work with and build up and and make a big part of your offensive line. Uh, we got a crystal ball to talk about coming up next. First, let me talk to you about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you got to do is go to LinkedIn, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. The latest in the Nigel Smith sweepstakes. Uh, again, we get another prediction favoring the Oklahoma Sooners. This one's from Horns247, and uh, the guy's name is Jordan Scruggs. Again, Texas Longhorns recruiting analyst choosing the Oklahoma Sooners for four-star defensive lineman out of Melissa, Texas, Nigel Smith. Well, probably uh, first thing is somebody out of the state of Texas for a Texas prospect yeah, that's uh, you know combing the uh, the uh, you know coast here with our uh, metal finder. That's ding ding ding, right? That's a, a good sign. Somebody from the state of Texas saying that Texas prospect is uh, leaning Oklahoma's direction, and you know obviously you know a bunch of attention in this class on the David Stones of the Williams Winaries of the world. But uh, how many times have we sat here and talked about? Well, it can't just be those two names. It needs to be stacking the 22 class with the 23 class with the 24 with the 25 class. And oh, by the way, for Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis, it can't just be two names or three names in the 23 and 24 classes. No, you need to stack and stockpile talent. And Nigel Smith, top 100 player nationally, uh, John, 6'5", 260, the, the length, the the get off, the ability to rush the passer elite prospect in his own right. 
No, it's not the last name Stone. No, it's not the last name Winery. But this would be a massive get if it swings Oklahoma's direction over, uh, again, the offer sheet in Ohio State, a Penn State, a Texas, a Texas A&M. So, yeah, I mean, I think two things for me. Number one, he's really, really good, right? And, and number two, uh, the, the types of teams that you would potentially win this recruitment over. Yeah, and that seems to be a – consistent theme right now for Oklahoma on the recruiting trail is they're not just beating also ran teams. They're beating your top recruiting teams in the country for some of these prospects. And, you know, Nigel Smith, he's still maybe a month out from his commitment, but the momentum has been there for Oklahoma for a long time. The only question was going to ever going to be like, would that shift away from the Sooners at some point? And it really doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. They're looking to build a really, really deep defensive line class. And Nigel Smith's a big part of that moving to the sec. You got to have a good group of defensive linemen. And they're still trying to kind of recover from the, you know, the 2021 group of guys that left, you know, via the NFL draft, like, you know, the, the Nick Bonitos and the Perrion Winfrey and uh, Isaiah Thomas. Like you lost three fifths or three fourths of your starting defensive front. And you didn't really have much to replace that with except for young guys that were still pretty inexperienced. So you've got a lot of building that you've got to do to lay the foundation for what Brent Venables and Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis hope is going to be a dominant defensive front when they get into the sec or at least Maybe not right away, but by 25, 26, you're talking about a defensive front that is able to hang with anybody in the country, the best offensive lines. It doesn't matter. And they're going to be able to affect the passing game, affect the run game and be a dominant force in the SEC. Like you said, Josh, you can't just have David Stone and Williams Nonary and expect to do that. Yeah, you got to have a lot of these guys. You got to have an Adipoja Adabari. You got to have a David Stone and a Williams Nonary if they end up committing to Oklahoma. But you've also got to have a depth of that. You've got to have two, three deep of that so that you can withstand an injury and not be just completely gone uh, from a pass rush perspective or a run defense perspective. I mean, you've got to have a big group of dudes and they're looking to have six, seven, maybe even eight defensive linemen in this class. Like it, it started with Wyatt Gilmore. He kind of broke the ice on the defensive line front. And then you got Jaden Jackson, but I mean, they're, you know, Stone and Winery, yeah, they're the big fish because of the five-star prospects. But Dominic McKinley, they're still, you know, chasing him. A guy out of Louisiana that looks like it's down to Oklahoma, Louisiana, or LSU and Texas. And Oklahoma's very much in the mix for that one. Another defensive tackle prospect to pair with Stone and uh, Jaden Jackson. And then you got Gilmore and you got Winery and you got Smith and you got Zena out of Allen uh, and Danny Okoye. Like, this is a potentially eight deep defensive line recruiting class but even if they just get six of these eight guys that's still an incredible haul and i i think it's very possible that they end up with at least seven which is crazy to think that they could go that deep in the 2024 cycle which is a incredibly deep defensive line class and be able to pull 75 percent or what is that seven out of eight i I can't do the math 87 and a half percent of the the prospects um, in there that they've, they've been targeting and they've been recruiting heavily, the most heavily. So it's incredible. And Nigel Smith, like you said, top 100 player, four-star consensus, four-star prospect, uh, someone who's going to bring a, a strong athletic profile with a great frame and is going to be able to wreak havoc from the edge, 
be able to play that five technique or the you know a defensive end spot in a three man front or be able to bump inside and play some you know defensive tackle and pass rush situations like it's in it's a very very intriguing aspect of what Brenton Venables and Todd Bates are doing finding these guys that are going to be able to fit multiple roles in their defensive front moving forward yeah you got to have guys that are legit nose tackles like Jaden Jackson but again, we talk about flexibility. They're going to have a lot of dudes that are going to be able to line up in a lot of places, and that's going to make things really difficult for opposing offensive lines to figure out who's who. Well, and something you touched on too, and and you know I mentioned it as well, the stacking of the classes. So the, the P.J. Adabares of the world, elite talent, right, to go along with a an elite on-paper talent and what I think we've seen from both already but definitely uh, Bowen in the, the spring game with an interception but th- those types of okay on paper according to what everybody says these are elite five-star type talents right but okay then then you've got an Ashton Sanders in your class and and you've got a, a Marcus Strong and you've got a Taylor Wine and then this class that we're talking about right now John you've already you know we're talking about a prediction for Nigel Smith here and hopefully, yes, that swings Oklahoma's direction in uh, concert with David Stone, with Williams Winery. But like you mentioned, you, you already have talented guys on board so far in this class for Oklahoma. One of the top players from Minnesota in Wyatt Gilmore, Jaden Jackson. I know we've spent time on it recently, but this is not an inconsequential flip. Or I, I like to use the term flip because, you know, even though he wasn't committed anywhere, it was like this thing was so obviously trending either Texas or Miami's direction that in some ways it felt like a late flip for uh, for Oklahoma. So, yeah, I mean, you have to have more than just one or two names. And Oklahoma, what it did in its last class uh, with, you know, obviously the headlining of P.J. Adebare, what it looks like maybe they're going to do with hopefully the headlining of a David Stone, a Winery, and Nigel Smith, I mean, look, I think you'd put Nigel Smith into the headlining type category, John. I know that maybe it's not five-star this or that, but it shouldn't. It should surprise nobody if Nigel Smith winds up as an impact NFL player down the road. I mean, this is that kind of potential talent. Well, again, you go back to the top 100 aspect of that. I mean, he's a top 100 player, and you want to get as many top 100 players as you can in your class. I mean, right now, Oklahoma's got – one, two, three top 100 players in Taylor Tatum, Davin Mitchell, and Zion Kearney. Again, you want to stack as much talent as you possibly can. And Nigel Smith, again, a top 100 talent. If you were just building your team out of the 2024 class, he'd be a starter at defensive end for you. You know, if you ended up with Stone and Winery, those would be two of your other starters along the defensive front. If you're just talking about the 2024 class based on the talent, based on the rankings. So potentially huge. And the fact that it's trending towards Oklahoma still, and it's a Texas recruiting analyst that is putting that prediction in favoring the Oklahoma Sooners, man, that speaks volumes to where this recruitment stands at this point. Again, we're probably about a month away from his recruitment. There's buzz out there that he'd like to recruit or commit um, whenever Melissa opens their stadium uh, for the, the season opener. They built a brand new stadium and there's talk that he wants to do the commitment ceremony there, which, hey, man, that's awesome. That's that's great. A uh, great way to break it in uh, with a, a blue chip, uh, blue blood commitment marriage of sorts. Uh, the last thing we're going to do here, Josh, on the show we're just going to kind of do a bit of a 2024 recruiting reset. Talk about where we're at 
Oklahoma now has 16 prospects committed to the 2024 recruiting class. Again, we talked about three top 100 players in Taylor Tatum, who's a top 50, uh, Davin Mitchell and Zion Kearney. Uh, but I mean, this thing is 16 deep and it's got a really good mix of blue chip defenders, blue chip offensive players. And, you know, the, the ice got broken back in March by a defensive player, Jeremiah Newcomb, Jeremiah Newcomb kind of came out of nowhere, the Arizona prospect and kind of shocked the world a little bit being Oklahoma's first commit of the 2024 cycle. Uh, I think, you know, we, we talk about the 2023 defensive back class. Well, he's going to have a chance to be as potentially as impactful down the road as uh, these guys are. And considering that, again, he was the first, I mean, he's sold out. He's bought in to what Brent Venables and Jay Valai are selling. Cornerback has been an issue for Oklahoma for years. I mean, it's been a long time since you felt comfortable with what you've got on the outside at cornerback. Adding a four-star talent like Jeremiah Newcomb, man, that's huge for him. Well, let's just, for me, for my half of this equation, let's just start here. Right now, Oklahoma's number 15 nationally with uh, with its class. This is on the heels, of course, of a top five class, top four class in the, the last cycle. They're number 15 right now, and there's plenty of room to stretch those legs, plenty of room for Oklahoma to grow based on what is still left on the board. So from that standpoint, and that's number 15, according to on three, and that's number 15, according to 24 seven sports. And I tried to load you up rivals, but you didn't want to load at this particular moment in time. So I can't tell you about rivals, but bottom line is it's a top 15 class right now. And it's only going to keep climbing John. So let's start there. A quarterback got a quarterback that you, you really like in this class in, in Michael Hawkins, who's a, a dual threat guy that, uh, should probably only get better and better in his own regard. I love after the initial miss with Wesco at uh, at wide receiver, and you pass the note along to me, rivals number 17 class. So top 15, top 17 class, depending on where you're looking. Uh, wide receiver, what Oklahoma's done in this class, John, you know, Sands Wesco, I think is really, really impressive that you, you went out and you got Kearney, you flipped carry on, uh, you've added Raggins. So the KJ Daniels you have in this class, Dozie Azukama you have in this class, running back, feels like it's trending in a great direction. If you just stop the merry-go-round right here with Xavier Robinson and uh, obviously with the nation's top running back in Taylor Tatum, okay, a class with just Taylor Tatum, is an incredible class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody in the country would sign up for that. Only Oklahoma will be getting that. But when you tell me that Xavier Robinson, who rushed for over 2,000 yards uh, a season ago, is in this class and a bunch of touchdowns and is a physical, different type runner from Taylor Tatum, that's pretty exciting. When you tell me that Caden Durham is still a possibility. So offensively, great in terms of the quarterback and the skill guys. Obviously, as we've discussed, work still to be done offensive line and then you know flipping to the defensive side of the football john nesta really really uh exciting linebacker again not puzzling to see brent venables recruit linebackers well Uh, we've talked ad nauseum about the defensive line even uh, in this episode here but we feel like there's still quite a bit of meat on the bone right there for oklahoma and with this news of nigel smith no it's not a commitment yet to join the Wyatt Gilmore's or Jaden Jackson's of the world, but it feels like Oklahoma John is doing 
up front defensively what folks have been asking Oklahoma to do on the recruiting trail. Let's see. But it feels like it's headed that way for Oklahoma. And then defensive backs, I think it started in last year's class and is carrying over into this year's class to where Oklahoma, whether it's corners, safety, you name it, in the defensive backfield, John, they're just, in my estimation, doing a much, much better job recruiting defensive backs here of late. Yes, I, I agree. I think what they did in 23 alone, if you stretch that over two classes, would be really, really good. But then you come back and you add Jeremiah Newcomb, you add Jaden Hardy, two really athletic and physical players that you're going to put in your secondary. They're aggressive players. Guys are going to attack the football in the air and attack running games as well. They're not shying away from the run game. Just really, really intriguing prospects that – can add to what they did in 2023's recruiting cycle with Jacoby Johnson, Makari Vickers, Josiah Wagner, Kendall Dolby out of the JUCO ranks. I mean, it's, it's Jay Valai and Brandon Hall. They're doing a great job over these last several cycles. You can even go back to 2022 when they you know, were able to retain commitments from Gentry Williams and Robert Spears Jennings amidst the coaching change and all that they were able to hold on to those commitments and, and keep them in house. And I think, you know, what they're doing at defensive back is I think what they're starting to do at along the defensive line where you're stacking blue chip class after blue chip class after blue chip class defensive back is in great shape, I think. And I mean, the recruiting class in general in 2024 looks like in great shape right now, if you were to stop it right now, you'd be in really good and in a really good spot, but man, it's got so much more potential and it can be even better uh, by the time this is all said and done because of you're waiting on Nigel Smith. You're waiting on Williams Winery and David stone. You're waiting on Eli Bowen, uh, the 2024 cornerback prospect. Who's going to be a, a really talented player in his own right. Uh, you're waiting on you know, Danny Okoye you're waiting on several more offensive linemen to see what they're going to do as well. So this class, I mean, it's going to be deep and it's going to be incredibly talented, but what they've done so far is, is awesome. Off to a great start. And the writing is on the wall that yes, it's going to get better. Now, you know, a McKinley, a bricks. Okay. Not ready to sign up for, for those types of names. There's, I feel like a little bit of trepidation with Winery. For some, though, the the Georgia momentum stalling there, I think, should make Oklahoma fans feel even more confident. I think that that's – I mean, we think, what, August 1st, the announcement? So uh, I think that uh, maybe, right? You know, maybe. I mean, I guess, I guess that's kind of gotten float, floated out there and isn't necessarily fact, right? But um, I still think that's going to go Oklahoma's direction, though, you know, obviously – you don't lock that up and throw it away just yet, but the momentum for this thing where it's already at the prospects that are on the board, this will be another big time class. And that's what we've wanted to see Brent Venables and this staff do outside of just going and winning football games, which I'm hopeful. And again, optimistic. And I'll say that every single time we line it up and uh, suit it up right here on lockdown Sooners that I'm optimistic for what 2023 holds for Oklahoma outside of just winning football games. It's this for OU to build for the SEC, and you have to uh, tip your cap to this staff, man. They have, uh, across the board, done a really, really good job so far. They've done a great job, and they're going to continue to do a great job. And, and I think what they've done that's really fascinating is, you know, Brent Venables probably doesn't want to be so transfer portal dependent down the road, but he's picked his spots, and he's taken his shot at 
certain players and, and making sure to add guys that were going to be much value added, not just adding guys to add guys, but adding value to the roster with guys that are going to start like a Desan McCullough, Walter Rouse, maybe Caleb Schaefer, a guy like Connor near who could come in and, and end up playing a significant role, getting a lot of snaps in the linebacker core, Reggie Pearson, who similarly could end up getting a lot of snaps in a safety rotation as well. So they they've done a fantastic job at rebuilding this roster. Cause I mean, that's really what needed to happen is a big, big rebuild. Uh, you know, you didn't have very many great talents on defense. And then after Lincoln Riley left, you didn't really have a whole lot of great talents on offense either as evidenced by 2020 and 2021 and them not reaching the, uh, the expectations that were set before them. So there was a big rebuild that had to happen and Brent Venables and the staff have done a great job doing it. Now, again, like Josh says, now you got to go win some football games and you got to settle the foundation by winning games, but everything is looking like they're going to win a lot of football games this year. We'll see how many we'll have you covered all season long here on locked on Sooners. So make sure you're tuned in, subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcasts, hit that notification bell on YouTube to let you know when new episodes drop, follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref. You can follow myself on Twitter at John nine Williams. The show is at locked on Sooners. Make sure you go find the, uh, the discord link. Uh, we got a discord chat opened up for all of Sooner Nation just to talk all things Oklahoma Sooners and who uh, what else? I mean, all kinds of things. NFL is going to get going. Major League Baseball, we got training camps uh, for the NFL going. We're, what, two months away from the postseason of Major League Baseball. So a lot to talk about in the sports world. We can do some of that over there in Discord. We'll drop the link in the YouTube and podcast chats as well and on Twitter. So until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you then. Boomer Sooner!